You can't imagine the unspeakable things I've suffered. The horror. I doubt I'll ever really recover. How about some dead senators as payback? It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, the dastly bounty hunter Cad Bane and his crew infiltrate the Senate and take hostages, including Senator Padme Amidala. Anakin works to free the hostages and stop Cad Bane, but is outmaneuvered, and the bounty hunters spring zero the hunt and make their escape. Hey, chips, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Obi Wan to my Anakin. That's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about the 51st episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. We're finally finishing Season 1, Robbie. Season 1, Episode 22, Hostage, 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 Hostage Crisis. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week? Yeah, this one was, uh, again, I mean, not just looking forward to it to kind of finish Season 1, but... I knew that there was some more Zero coming, right? <laughs> right. But I remember that this was like one of the, at least the the first time I watched it, it was sort of like your big introduction to Cad Bane. And it was kind of like, this is where we kind of figure out who he is and all that kind of stuff. And I remember this one was fun. I just couldn't remember a lot of the details. Like a lot of the details didn't stick out to me until I started watching it again. Well, one of the details that might have stuck out to you when you started watching again is that the first shot we see of Cad Bane in close-up is when he tells all the other droids in his ride to get down. Basically, he says it's go time, or is that effect? And it's a Dutch angle, Robbie. <laughs> Straight away, we're like, we're off balance looking at this dude. This guy is going to throw us for a loop. And he's obviously super cool in the early parts of this episode, like when he casually saunters over to the door of the Senate Commando Barracks, and he casually tosses a detonator in there, and again, Dutch angles galore all through the section. Not every shot, but tons of them, and just keeps you off guard and keeps you uneasy about this guy, as if you weren't uneasy enough knowing there's this bounty hunter squad infiltrating the Senate. But then at one point, Cad Bane gets real, real sloppy, because Anakin also turns up, and Anakin kind of distracts him into forgetting that he's trying to search his guests, and he totally misses there's a lightsaber in there. Yeah, it's interesting to see them work, because this is really, I mean, if you were watching it from the beginning... This is your first real introduction to a bounty hunter team, you know, because I mean, of course, the Boba Fett, Ara Singh, and all that stuff, that hasn't happened yet if you're watching it for, you know, yeah. if you were watching it with release. So, yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see some, you know, the way they worked and, and really just how brutal they were. You know, I mean, they, yep. they don't pull punches, you know, they're taking people out. So it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I mean, we saw Cad Bane casually throw a grenade into the barracks, and we see him just casually execute a senator in this episode. And that's a moment that, and maybe it shouldn't be like this, because it's not like the commandos' lives are worth less than senators, but you have to imagine that maybe executing a senator gets you in more trouble than taking out the guards. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that, but it really emphasized just how ruthless they are. And he didn't even give a second warning. As soon as that senator dismisses him and tries to walk out, he's gone. That senator's out of there. Yeah. I guess it's kind of shocking, but at the same time, it's there to show you 
or to show the audience that these guys don't play around, you know? And I think that's important going forward that, you know, whenever there's a bounty hunter on screen, they're a legitimate threat and they're effective at what they do. So, I mean, I, I really like watching them work, you know what I mean? The way that they controlled the crowd, the way that they entered, the way that they attacked. This is just fun to watch. Yeah, they were very clinical, but someone who wasn't very clinical, that was Anakin at the start, Robbie, trying to convince Padme to run away with him to a place far away from here where no one would recognize us. And when Padme tells Anakin that she needs to get her work done, Anakin goes off on this jag about how for him, their love is the number one most important thing in his life and how she should just blow off her work commitments to... And maybe it's just me, but Anakin, <laughs> Anakin really comes across as like as a naive teenager here. And he even kind of ironically tells Padme that she should ease up on her ideals. Well, of course, he's the one who's acting like an idealist about romance as if the only thing that matters is romance. And you can just blow off work whenever you want and take off. And <laughs> I don't know, it's hard not to kind of... I, never, I don't usually like using the word cringe, but in this moment, you sort of head slap yourself about the way that Anakin's acting. Yeah, I actually missed... A couple of the uh, a couple of the shots because my eyes were rolling so far back in my head. I mean, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to remind you they're married. They're very very close. They don't get to spend a whole lot of time with each other. I get it. But it just seemed like you said it was sort of just cringy and and actually kind of ridiculous. Oh, you know, my lightsaber is my life. Here's my li- here. Take my lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. What what? And I don't know. I just uh, it's like there's so much attention to detail on so many things but then there's this lack of attention to detail to a relatable relationship i don't know it's weird oh no wait hang on i just i don't i don't normally like interrupting you i related to him i remember being i guess you know a teenager (laughs) in my first relationship and how if i watched myself do that now that's like the sort of dumb stuff that i would have would have been doing back then obviously i want my girlfriend at the time wasn't a senator and i wasn't married and so he's a little bit older but what made me cringe was i mean i might have interrupted you at the wrong time because you're probably going to tell me that he's not a teenager and he shouldn't be acting like a teenager and that's fair but to be clear the thing that made me cringe is it reminded me of when i was a you know a very naive teenager well yeah no i agree with you i mean it's to me it just seems out of place And maybe that's the point. I don't know. Maybe the point is that, you know, because he's... Padme is his first and only love he's ever had. Right. That maybe he's just so awkward and so blinded. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. I think as you grow older, you start to realize that, yes, you know, your relationship with your significant other is important, but it's not the absolute... It shouldn't drive every decision you make. You know what I mean? It's... I don't know. It, It just... It felt cringy to me. It's just, but cringy in a, in a, come on, man, you're a general of the, yeah. in the Clone Wars, yep. and she's a senator in the Imperial Senate, or the, or the Republic Senate. Yeah. Not the Imperial Senate yet, right? Uh, but yeah, so it's just like, come on. It just seems, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> Put yourself together. Yeah. And he also runs into a little bit of trouble when he runs into these bounty hunters. He he gets taken out by them, rendered unconscious, and basically he becomes a prisoner. And it's another one of those reminders, like you said earlier, this episode is about showing us that the bounty hunters are very formidable. And even though they need to outnumber him to take him out, they do effectively and efficiently take him out. And they work together in this team. 
Orison, of course, is involved, so I'm always happy about that. And actually, there's a scene earlier when she's doing the sniper thing. I don't know if you noticed that. And maybe it's a little bit too early to get to the cinematography and our favorite shots, but there's a scene where she takes a shot and it comes right into the camera. So the sort of screen fills with the laser red at one point. And that's a shot. And I think I'm almost, I'm 98% sure we get a shot very similar to that in A New Hope. But that's not my favorite shot of the episode. I just thought I'd bring that up now since I... My brain went there because we're talking about Orisin. But one thing I did like about Anakin getting in these fights is he gets in a hand-to-hand fight with that IG unit at one time. And often when we see flesh and blood people get into a fight with a droid, you kind of wince anytime they throw any kind of strike at it because, you know, they're hitting metal. But with Anakin, he's one of the very few non-droids we can buy being successful in a hand-to-hand fight with a droid because, of course, he's got a metal hand. Yeah, and that was a fun one. It's almost like uh, introducing Kryptonite to Superman, or right. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> you're taking away one of their weapons, you know. Right. And in this case, he's got to use a lot of his other force powers, you know, and his other abilities to kind of get across. I mean, very very simple. But I actually liked seeing him fix the, his communicator, you know, because it was yeah. It reminds you, oh yeah, yeah. He's very very good elect- with electronics and mechanic and you know mechanically. There's a lot of things about this episode that are just a lot of fun to watch and to see the Jedi work in a way that they're not used to. Yeah, and speaking of working in a way that they're not used to, or maybe he is used to working this way, it's fascinating to watch Palpatine's reaction to being trapped in his room with Onfrita, first trying to force the doors open, then trying to call the Jedi Council as if he's helpless, you know? And you know what we know about Palpatine? You know that he has these other options, but we talked about this in the Zillow Beast episodes as well, that watching Palpatine in these situations can be quite compelling, you know? I mean, uh, did you think that was fun to watch too? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he's got to play the part, right? And you know for a fact that he's got to be at least somewhat aware of what's going on. But the huts sort of are like a, you know, almost a wild card when it comes to his plans. Because it's not something that he, at least to my knowledge, I don't think they use a whole lot. You know, that side of, I guess, the war. You know, you've got your... You know, the, good, the the Republic, you've got the Separatists, and then you've got the Huts over here causing issues. All these other crime syndicates that are involved. He doesn't concern himself with them in, very much, but you kind of wonder, okay, is this something that Cad Bane is involved? Or maybe, I mean, who knows? Like, does he know what's going on is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because at that point, even though it becomes obviously they're trying to buzz Zero out, it's still not clear that the Huts are the ones who have hired Cad Bane, is it? Right, exactly. And it's like Palpatine is, you know, he's pulling so many different strings. Is he playing the part of a victim here? Or is he actually a bit irritated? It's like, what are you guys doing right now? Yeah, right. (laughs) What are you guys doing? You're messing up this, you know, you're, you're, I mean, I don't know. It was just interesting to, to see him play the part again of a victim, whether he's involved in this plot or not. Yeah, and of course, either Cad Bane himself or whoever's hired him also decides that it's a good idea to try and not just he's killed one senator at this point he's killed a whole bunch of guards he basically attempts to murder about a dozen senators at the end and this feels like a declaration of war and we know it's a declaration of war by the end from the huts who are supposed to have an alliance with the republic at this point i mean as long as the alliance that they made in the theatrical release is still in place and that we've had no reason to believe it wouldn't be so This was quite a striking development that these lasers and this system of detonators that they'd rigged up, that wasn't just to give them time to get away. They actually intended to murderize a whole bunch of senators and blow up that room. I mean, without wanting to 
speak in circles here, it felt like a declaration of war. Yeah, and it's a strange move for, you know, the the Hutt Council, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it also kind of makes you wonder, though, is it actually a declaration of war? Is this Cad Bane causing chaos? I mean, you don't really know if he was instructed to do that. Yeah. I mean, they're basically, yeah, get in there, get zero out. You know what I mean? But Sure. (laughs) Are they thinking, hey, do us a favor also and try to capture and kill a bunch of senators while you're at it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was part of the plan. Well, it could also be that he's using that moment to make a little bit of extra moolah from the separatists because if he takes out a whole bunch of senators, I mean, I'm sure there's a price on the head of all of those senators from the separatists. So maybe that's his thing as well. Maybe it's a side job. He's doing two jobs at once. We don't know at this point. You know, we just don't know. And that's maybe that's part of the fun of the episode, wondering what's going on with Cad Bane. And now it's time to talk about our favorite shots of the episode, Robbie. I already, hopefully when I talked about that laser bolt flying right into the camera before, that wasn't going to be your favorite shot of the episode, was it? No. All right, then what was your favorite shot of Hostage Crisis? There's a lot of striking shots in this episode, but, like, I mean, I really kind of like the shot after Cad Bane has thrown that detonator in with the guards, and he's sort of walked away, and the door kind of explodes open, and he just kind of looks back, like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of... Or, you know, when he throws it in there, the door closes, and he kind of does a... Like a salute, you know, as he walks off frame. I mean, it's just, there's some really, really cool character moments that I like. But, I mean, my favorite shot has got to be, it's not the exact shot you're talking about with the the blaster bolt coming toward the camera. But I just think it looks neat that the Senate guards are pointing and you can see the little flash. Yeah. You know, from the, it's just, it's just neat looking. And by the way, Aura's sniper sounds awesome. Yeah. That gun sounds awesome. So, I mean, I think that's probably my, my favorite shot. Yeah, that gun sounds very cool, though. I've never quite fallen in love with the sound of Cad Bane's blaster. It doesn't have enough of that sort of cable whip sound in it. It, yeah. it does sound like a cable, but it sounds like it's pitched way down or something. So, I mean, for all of the cool things about Cad Bane, he could maybe get his blaster sound a bit cooler. But my favorite shot of the episode has got your old pal Zero in it. And it's just after we see Cad Bane say to Zero... As they tow the mighty hut through the air above Coruscant, he says, well, hut. And then the camera, that's when the camera cuts to my favorite shot. And Cad Bane continues, it doesn't, I can't do it, Cad Bane. It doesn't look like prison had too adverse an effect on you. And we're looking at kind of an over-the-shoulder mid-shot of just Cad Bane and Zero at that point. And it has that long lens kind of deep field thing going on where objects in the background appear almost in focus but also weirdly up close and relatively large and that's that sort of long lens deal where we see the background is kind of unnaturally magnified while the foreground objects which in this case are Cad Bane and Zero and their vehicle they appear to be in natural size and it kind of compresses the background and the foreground together They so they seem like they're on the same scale even though what's in the background should naturally be on a much smaller scale in a regular shot and here of course it helps that the foreground objects are two of my favorite design characters I really love the way Cad Bane looks and <laughs> I love Zero as well I love looking at Zero and the background of course is the lower levels of Coruscant and those streams of traffic so how could I not love this shot it's three of my favorite things all compressed into the same image and if you think I make too big a deal out of Dutch angles this kind of long lens kind of cinematic telephoto shot that this is magic to me and I do this sort of this type of shot myself whenever I can even with my basic little handy cam when I'm shooting I sometimes shoot like sporting events and I'll max out the zoom and move back to whatever distance I need to place the object where I want it in the frame so anytime I can get this sort of compressed image I try it I try this trick and in fact it's also pretty much the type of shot which makes the moon look really huge you've seen those magical shots people take with 
where the moon looks weirdly large, right? Yeah. And because it has that unnatural sort of sense, it also, similar to Dutch angles, it gets you a little bit off balance. But I've talked way too long about all this technical mumbo-jumbo. That was my favorite shot of the episode, Robbie. And now it's time to talk about what we learned from Hostage Crisis. All right. Well, mine is, uh, it's pretty simple. When you're visiting the Senate, don't play foolish games with your lightsaber. Yeah. Okay. Just don't do it. Romance games. Well, yeah, and speaking of lightsabers, if you are searching a group of people, don't get distracted by a Jedi gallivanting around in the upper levels. <laughs> Just be systematic with your search. You never know if one of them's got a lightsaber up their sleeve, Robbie. <laughs> and that brings us to our summary and ratings for Hostage Crisis, Robbie. Where does Hostage Crisis sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, I mean, this one's one of those where there are moments of absolute brilliance, moments of annoyance, zero and uh but i mean i overall i really like it i mean there's there's so many weird things that are like when padme looks at anakin you know she gives him away right you know that was kind of a weird a weird thing there the little fish guy the robonino i think is his name his voice is weirdly cartoony and it seems out of place it's just it's just a little strange I got like these flashes of uh, Die Hard. Yes. When Anakin is kind of sneaking around. Yep. I was surprised there was no scene where he had to walk on broken glass at one point, you know, because it felt like that. Or going through a vent, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's things that I really, it's weird. I'm, I'm going back and forth with things I don't like or things that are that stick out as being weird. Sure. But then I really like that. Cad Bane, his, his flair, you know, the way that his character presents himself. Yep. Is just a lot of fun. And of course, this is the first canon appearance of Ara Singh. If you're watching it in release order, we get to see Padme ignite a lightsaber and use it for a moment. I yeah. mean, that's that's kind of interesting. I mean, there's just a lot of things in this episode that are that are a lot of fun. So for me, even though it's not my favorite, I still got to give it a three and a quarter stars because I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I think I'm. I mean, I'm. I've got it at seven out of ten. That's basically the more or less three and a quarter I mean, yeah maybe just a little bit less but and it which is odd because i like zero obviously more than you do but yeah around about that same thing it's a really enjoyable episode there's a few little things that poke out and maybe give us pause but generally i thought it was a very fun episode i had a good time watching it and that's mission accomplished for season one episode 22 hostage crisis so robbie won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels Sure. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 52nd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. We're back to Season 3. It's Season 3, Episode 9, Hunt for Zero, Robbie. So more Zero coming up. And I'm rubbing my hands. <laughs> goody, goody. And you're probably... Yeah, you're rolling your eyes. <laughs> but until then... This is your old buddy Pucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Pucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Pucho and Robbie at gmail.com. The force will be with you, always. <laughs>